Hello, everyone. Welcome to our bonus podcast. I'm the host, Donatos Rubanas, and I'm joined by my two colleagues, Augustas Shulauskas and Rita Svishnauskas. Welcome to the show, guys. Happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Amazing. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Tremendous. And first of all, before we start, I have to say that your last episode with Eric oh. McCollum and Mike James was so awesome. Uh, probably Thanks, the man. best yearly content I've ever heard. And really, Eric continues to surprise me. I mean, if I was in charge of a basketball club, I would definitely hire him as my GM. And if I was in charge of a big media corporation that's broadcasting basketball content, I would definitely put him as my top-notch analyst. So yeah, <laughs> really, he has everything. And Mike, it's it's wonderful to see and hear an active EuroLeague player just giving his honest takes because usually if you talk to active EuroLeague players, they wouldn't want to give you their opinions about the coaches, other players, mm. and other teams. And Mike James just... Keeps it real. He says what he what he sees, and, and that's awesome, really. That, it, that was a great podcast. Yeah, I think that Eric, one day he will just steal a job from, from, you know, from us. For sure. I think he, he could have a... No, like not a, from us. Like a... Maybe we'll have this job here in Lithuania, you know. But he you should know, have a basketball show with, with his brother. It's, it's exactly, that's his goal, actually. I was so surprised when I made this interview with him last yeah. uh, September. He told that he wants to make a career, you know, in broadcasting uh, business. So CJ was great on ESPN first take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a They both of share kind of the same mentality and knowledge. Even they speak even the same way. Yeah. And it's, you know, obvious there's... To, they're so close. They spend the off season together as well. So no, he's he's just amazing. And regarding to Mike, I just hope that he also had a good time in the pod. I think he had because I don't remember him being on the pod or and any other show being so positive, involved, yeah. energetic. You know, no hoodies, no dark <laughs> lights around. I mean, it nah. was it was perfect. He was at his peak. Yeah, Mike James is 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 a legend, really, and and. When he was talking about Nick Caladia situation, mm. it was excellent content. Exactly. I mean, he explained the situation, the way he looks at it, and, and the breakdown was really great. I never really thought to myself, like, it was that Nick Calatius doesn't fit the system or mm -hmm. how, how, how he said it. But, and you he you're hearing it from an active EuroLeague player. You're not hearing it from... You from you even from, from Eric, me. who's not yeah. playing in Euroleague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From someone who actually played against him, and he, and, and will play against and, him and next against season Barcelona and the season well. after yeah. probably. Yeah, and he's gonna play against Barcelona against Sharas and mm. and everybody else. But it's like he's nothing still, personal. It's just basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still knows it better. You know, he played against those teams, so yeah. he's been on the court. Yeah, and I actually, highly recommend to listen to his pod. He was on the. Player's Choice show. Uh, it's I think it's co-hosted by Shaq McKissick from Olympiacos. They had more in-depth conversation about his career and about Mike's, I mean, Mike's career and approach on things. So it was also another unique content. So I really uh, recommend to uh, listen to that episode. And I just hope that this presence of Mike in the pod will inspire him to, you know, return to the show during the season, for example, because I think that he also liked it and, you know, me and Eric, we also enjoyed yeah. it. Shout out to both guys, really. It's great to have two top-level professionals talking basketball yeah. on your show. And probably for you as well, it must have been a great experience. Amazing experience. Yeah. My job was just not to disturb the conversation, you know, <laughs> just to keep the flow and that's it. Just I like the, the moment when Eric uh, asked you, 
what do you like about Sutaransky's game? <laughs> <laughs> and Eric, you know, you saw like his he face. He, he was did, so he curious about it. In a, it. Way, in a way that was more hey, obvious than They don't than respect impression. international basketball. They, they told that they are not watching Eurobasket or World Cup, so... I mean, Eric just felt that you were the weak link <laughs> of that discussion, and he, he thought, like, I have to crush him with my arguments. Target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but honestly... It was, it was a mismatch yeah. situation, yeah. but... Yeah. What did you like? What do you like about Sutherland? <laughs> so, Tell me. he doesn't defend as well as Nick. <laughs> he cannot... He's consistent shooting three-pointers. And those were great points. You cannot true, argue true, with that. True, true. But then points. I kind of thought that I should have defended Thomas uh, a bit better because, you know, we underestimated his driving abilities and Shadas likes players who can drive inside and create from there even if you're not the greatest creator. I mean, there are great qualities that you can watch on FIBO competitions, for example, that Sotransky brings and to the team. Right now, Thomas Sotransky is probably on top of my list of players that will sadly miss the upcoming Eurobasket. Yeah. It seems that he's it's not going to play for Czech Republic, so it's a huge blow for, for that team. Yeah. I think they could cope without Wesley, as we saw mm. in 2019, but without Sato, I don't see them going very far. Yeah, and yeah, that's where we have to talk about FIBA basketball because we're just one week away from the Eurobasket competition. And for today's podcast, we have basically two major topics. One, we'll try to rank top eight Eurobasket teams. And then in the end of the show, we will give, we will share our prediction of the top four, um, you know, sorting by order from the first to the fourth place. And we will try to predict the gold medalist uh, team. So let's start with the ranking, which is, which sounds fun. It, it, when I kind of thought about this topic for this part, I was like, oh, it's gonna be fun, but it's so hard to make this yeah. power ranking because you have to combine all different, so many different things. And in the end, I mean, I mean, I was like back and forth with half of my selections, like five minutes away from the podcast. I might change my selection during the yeah, pod. Yeah. So this is how hard it is because not just the ranking as itself is a hard thing, but at the same time, this Eurobasket is gonna be so open, just like the FIBA Secretary General Andrea Zaglis told that it's so hard to predict who gonna win because we have great pool of superstars at first and a lot of equal teams. So it's gonna be fun. Yeah, so we should start from number eight, right? Yeah. And Augustus, you wanna go first? Okay, Augustus, let's go. I had three choices for the last place in our in our ranking, but I have to go with Spain at number eight spot. And it's weird to rank Spain here. The world champions. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, but simply, they just don't have enough talent this year on their roster. And uh, my choice was between uh, Croatia, Germany, and them for the last spot. Uh, and I still think Sergio Scariolo is going to make is going to be the difference here. And uh, uh, they took Lorenzo Brown, and with him, I imagine them making the quarterfinals. Uh, and I think he is going to lead this team of a lot of let's say um, not the top tier Spanish players yeah. to to a quarterfinal at least. Um, Actually, when you look, for example, Lorenzo Brown, I think is crucial. I also have Spain as my uh, eighth uh, choice. I, had a, I have them at, wait, seven? No, I forgot. I think you didn't have them. In <laughs> no, 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 I have eight. them. Oh, I'm thinking. Oh yeah, I have them at number eight as well. Okay, right, really? okay. Yeah, because- I, th I thought seven, but then no. Yeah, it's, no. <laughs> it's no. crazy as it sounds, you know, world mm, champions barely made the top eight because they were our, our great And it just says here. to that, 
competitiveness of the tournament we're having. But I it's mean, more about it's more about you know, Spain not yeah, having uh, being you know, hurt and damaged. I mean, they're missing the best uh, point guard in the competition. Their golden Rubio. generation, except from Luka Doncic. Their I'm golden generation stepped yeah. stepped down. Right, we only have Sergio Yu and Rudy Fernandez left, but right now they are just role they players. They should be backups this for this team. They are backups. I mean, the veteran presence is probably very important in the locker room in the whole process, but on the court, they're very limited. And this team is so dependent on Lorenzo Brown playing his pick and rolls with Villar and Gomez. These are the only two really top quality players that they have because all the others, Juancho, Hernan Gomez, or if you go deeper, you find guys like Jaime Fernandez, Dario Brisella, and all the others. Those are not proven players on, on this mm. stage. So the, in my opinion, this whole team is based on Lorenzo Brown playing enormous amount of pick and roll actions with with Villar and Gomez, and that's all they have to offer. The way but the way they did against Spain in the in the second against half. Lithuania. Lithuania, yeah, yeah, against Lithuania in the second half. Every single possession, every single possession, and since Lithuania has Jonas Valanciunas dropping, Lorenzo always has the floater, and a lot of teams are going to be yeah. dropping. Yeah. The so. problem for Spain, in my opinion, is is not only the roster. I mean, if you look at the Group A, they're going to compete for a first seed with Turkey. Their problem is whether they finish first or second in their group. Immediately in the eighth final, they're going to face a team like Germany or Lithuania. So going to the quarterfinals is going to be difficult. We can put them number eight in power rankings, but I'm not really certain that they're going to be in the top eight in the tournament, actually. Uh, so those two teams that Augustus mentioned, they're probably on our honorable mentions on my list as well, Germany and Croatia. I would have Germany in top eight uh, if they had the full roster. Right now, there are just too many question marks. They're lacking guys like Moritz Wagner, Maxi Kleba, uh, Thibaut Plais, even Dennis Schroeder now has some problems. Yeah, Hartenstein, Isaac Bong. Yeah. I mean, we could make another German team actually. At least for the from the bigs. Yeah. So, and they're playing at home. So naturally with the full roster, I could see them in the top eight. With Croatia, my problem is another thing, chemistry issues all the time, every single year, every time they qualify for the tournament, it seems like there's something wrong with this team. You see those names, these are big names like Hezonja, Bogdanovic, Zubac, Saric, even though we don't know what's his shape right now, uh, but you, I just you, don't really trust them. You mentioned uh, Spain and their experience in the locker room. Yeah. I think that's what Croatia- And Scariolo. And Scariol, mm -hmm. I think that's what Croatia is missing. Exactly. Like Probably. Because if they had that, they, they could be, you know, competing for the top four position. They're a good favorable bracket, really. Yeah. You, I mean, you, could, you could make the, the case. You could make the case for them making the top four. So right now I, I agree with you guys uh, about Spain. It's hard to rule them out just because of the past, probably. Mm but you still have to realize and accept the reality. This is not a team with Gazol brothers, Navarro, Calderon, Chacho, so far from and all it. the other guys. This is just a team being led by Lorenzo Brown. And, and I mean, if not Lorenzo, you would see a team probably led by Juan Nunez already, and even Quilo though he's not, not ready yeah. yet. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because in, on their court, they have Willihan Gomez. We cannot forget Usman Garuma, but he's uh, coming off a difficult uh, season in Houston. A lot of injuries as well. Juancho, Rudy, Sergio Yui, and Lorenzo Brown. I mean, it's tough. It's going to be tough. But at the same time, you kind of, you cannot underestimate the heart of the champion. 
the it, kind of the same was with Real Madrid. They, they kind of remind me Real Madrid a lot. They had injury problems. They had problems with backcourt uh, facilitators. Uh, I would say many people ruled them out. But you know, having coached like Sergio Scariolo, we saw what he did last year in Tokyo Olympics, where they were like you know weaker team in Slovenia, for example. But he used so many different tactical things to stop Slovenians and Luka Doncic that you can trust this coach in in competitions like that. But the other teams, they're just so better talent-wise. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And even Scariolo, uh, I had the conversation with him after the game against Lithuania, and you know, from his face, you could see that he just accepts the situation and he goes there just to be the best version of this team that you can make. That I, was an amazing quote for him uh, about Slovenia, about watching Serbia, Slovenia. Yeah, that yeah. was amazing, and that's true. That's true. They're missing this superstar talent, and when you watch Slovenia and Serbia, just can get depressed. So, but what I like that this group, they still have that fighter mentality because even though they lost three or four friendly games, in most games, they were kind of competitive. Even against yeah. Lithuania, they came back from a 17-point uh, deficit. It should be a, a really interesting experience for, for Scariolo because he never went to any international tournament as an un underdog. Mm. He always went there as a favorite. Spain Coach, was always Spain to be, because uh, to be this team was always stacked. Mm. I remember in, in, in 2011 in Lithuania, I saw a team with Gazol bro brothers and Serge Ibaka on top of that. Mm. And with all these point guards and shooting guards they had, it was ridiculous, really. And they were the closest to Team USA as you could be at that time. So he was always coaching Spain when they were favorites for every Eurobasket. They were reaching the semifinals, I believe, in every Eurobasket in the 21st century so mm -hmm. far. And right now it's different. Right now he's sort of approaching this tournament as an underdog. Yeah, it never happened in, in, in Sergio Scariolo's career. It never We're happened. We're questioning for Spain. if they're gonna make the quarterfinals. Which yeah. Sounds crazy. We're questioning if they are capable of beating Turkey for the first seed, and we're probably favoring Turkey. So. It will be interesting to see how Scariolo handles it. It's not like he has something to prove. He proven everything yeah, on this all. stage already. They don't have anything to lose. And yeah. you know, Sergio is playing that. I think he's Sergio because Sergio, from, he's from Italian. Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad. Rodriguez is Sergio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the tricky well, part because there's. And then you have Sergio Busquets because he's Catalan. Yeah. <laughs> Good lesson, language lesson, Catalan, <laughs> Spanish, Italian <laughs> lesson for you guys. Sorry, man. But it, the thing that he, it, it seems like he's already using media, uh, you know, as a platform to tell everybody that, you know, we should decrease you should our expectations. Your expectations. They're yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to play that dark horse, uh, let's say, role in this situation. And he's doing smart job. I just noticed a lot of people, you know, kind of saying, repeating the same idea on Twitter. But by the way, you mentioned all these great players from 2011. I think that the friendly game we had last week in Vilnius, I believe that more than a half people or almost entire germ was surprised when they saw Spanish national team roster and guys on the court because they don't follow national team basketball that much. And I believe that watching these role players on the court competing against our team and, you know, us being kind of big favorites in that game, mm. I think that people were really surprised. Augustus, who would you see in this Spanish team as a third option? Like we have Lorenzo Brown, obviously, as the leader, Villarreal Gomez as a really solid center who can do a lot of things for them. Who is the third guy, in your opinion? Is it Juancho? Is he good enough for that role? Juancho was always that good, but when he had bigger talent around. I mean, he was great helper assets on a good team. I, for example, I liked I him a lot in 2019. Him that, like, 
I like him off the ball more. Like mm -hmm. I like him yeah. uh, making plays when others create him the advantage because he's tall, he can shoot the free, he, yeah. he can drive. So at the free, he's a good defender. Their position, I like that. But I think Sergio Yui still? still, I mean, still has who else? it in him. Who else? It's not, I think it's more about that there's nothing that's, around that's why him. I have a name, I have a name. I think he might surprise us. It's, it's Jaime Fernandez. He was great. He was great in uh, in the friendly games. In the friendly games, I also covered some of his ACB league games. He has a lot of skill, actually. He has a really good crossover. He can shoot off the dribble and he can score. He can he can put some points for them. Yeah. So I could see him as the guy who who steps up in the tournament uh, because Sergio, you, I'm not really convinced that he still, he still has, has it in it. him, honestly. But, but we'll see. Will the other Spain players give Jaime Fernandez the ball instead of Sergio Yui if Lorenzo Brown is on the bench let's say but yeah. he's going to be on the bench for like five minutes but let's say he's not at the end of the game are you going to give the ball to Jaime Fernandez I'm not sure about that probably not probably not probably Sergio still has too yeah, much respect too much respect he can still do some things maybe not yeah. at the high level that he was yeah. before but Anyway, they're good enough to overcome sure. Belgium, oh, Bulgaria, yeah. sure. Montenegro, Georgia. I really, liked, and, and I really enjoyed their defense, mm. like especially in the second half against Lithuania in, in in Vilnius. Here, they were just aggressively catching Lithuania, especially the the point guards with the ball. We had trouble uh, crossing the half court. We had trouble on pick and rolls. They were passing over and really close. We had a lot of trouble, like Maris Gurgonis, even on the, on the last possession when Brzezdeki scored. He, ca yeah. he caught the ball and he had to throw, throw it back for Iggy to make the play. So I think that's, mm, together with Lorenzo Brown making plays for himself and for others, the defense will be the, you know, let's say cornerstone of their yeah. uh, success or not. Right, we've spent a lot of time talking about number eight. We yeah. had so to show <laughs> some respect to Spain. <laughs> <you know. laughs> So number so seven. Now I think we're, we're going to have some differences probably, right? Could be. So and you wanna, everyone, you has, start? And everyone has Lithuania at number seven. No, I don't. Uh, you do? You have Lithuania? I have Lithuania at number seven. So let's talk about Lithuania then. Like I mean, why number seven? Uh, number seven, because I simply, I'm not simply a believer of the basketball we are playing. And uh, we didn't play friendly games against really high quality teams. And we are immediately playing Slovenia, France, and uh, Germany in the first three games. Yeah. Um, the spacing is still bad. I see different ways how Kazis uh, Maskritis is trying to integrate both Sabonis and Volanchunas together, but it's simply not there. A lot we play a lot of set plays for them, and uh, they just I know and I know coach uh, likes the free game, you know, yeah. likes the improvisation but it's just sometimes too much of it. Uh, JV and Sabonis likes to just simply ask for the ball in the paint and try to make it someone on their own. And for other players, it's sometimes hard because they don't know what to when and where to expect it. So, so they don't know where to be on the court at the moment. And we saw a lot of like some memes in Lithuania with Sabonis and Balanchunas asking the ball one meter away from the other in the paint at the same uh, place against Spain. So, uh i don't think we i don't think it's going to work and uh because we have such a strong group 
Uh, we're probably probably gonna get um, Serbia or Greece in the quarterfinal. If we go there, yeah. if we get there, if I mean. we get there, so I just don't see this team making a huge run. Let's say this is a good team, and we know our strengths, and it is right to play through these two guys. But um, so I just don't see this. Like I'm looking other teams how they're scoring easily. For example, Slovenia, and it's just wow. It's just the we're problem talking is about the quality in in the perimeter, right? And yeah, exactly. Because that's what we what we're lacking. And the problem, I think, the problem is that all these our perimeter guys, like Jokobaitis, Brzdekis, Gronis, they also need a lot of space because they prefer to penetrate. Okay, except from yeah. Gronis, he tends to be a like a but step back still, shooter. But I mean, he's still attacking first guy. Yeah, exactly. So and there's no space when you already have Sabonis and Valanciunas. And watching all these games, although we took all six wins, I just didn't see you know that clicking and watching that kind of good flow of the game. We I just didn't Estonia, see that. Finland what? without Markkanen and and yeah. Netherlands. You played but, Estonia four times, basically. You can say that. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, it's fair to say that. Uh, I'm kind of curious to hear your take on this because there's a very popular opinion right now in Lithuania that we will only see the best of Domantas Sabonis in in um, in the national team when Jonas Valanciunas steps down. Would you agree with that or not? But he's going to be uh, how how old is he going to be when JV? I'm not sure down. how you mean he I'm, will. I'm not sure how long JV is going to be the main center. Yeah. Like for two more tournaments, maybe. He's what thirty now. I think so. Ninety-two. 30, he's 92. Yeah. So, but it means steps down years. is as a backup center role means I mean, stepping down or, at or least just leaving like, the national there's team. There's like a tournament which Jonas Valanciunas mm. decides to skip, and and it would okay. be like Sabonis' team. Do you think it would benefit Domantas Sabonis as as a basketball mm. player? I'm not talking about personality think, yes. issues; they don't have any. Oh, I'm no. talking about basketball things. I think yeah. I think you need as much suitors, as many shooters as you can have on the court with him. And you That's just put him at five, and you just put him it. at a five. Yeah, I think so. And uh, it's simply like, let's say Lithuania tries to play a lot of pick and roll up top yeah. with one guy setting the screen and the other being in a dunker spot under. And one is rolling and the other is moving from one dunker spot to the other side of the paint. And both of these guys, basically the guy who is standing under the basket can defend the roll and the guy who is near. Obviously, you may be going to be a little bit late, but with them, these two guys shooting just hooks around the rim, it's just too crowded there. So I don't see them working together like efficiently. And also defense, let's not, not forget about that because with, with Domantas, he's probably the only center we have that can function in the switch all defense. Yeah. And he switched on Lorenzo Brown. We saw that, that, was, that was a great defense. Yeah, that was, that was, that was great footwork, amazing footwork really. Yeah. And the problem with JV is obvious. Every team tries to expose him with their pick and rolls. I remember the 2019 World Cup, what Fournier and Decolo were doing. And it's just difficult. I mean, Lucas killed us uh, last year with Slovenia. And I it's mean, gonna it's be Luka, but the same with, with Slovenia this season, this tournament, the same with France because they still have Fournier, Kobo, Ertel, all, all these players, and even Germany with Modolo and, and Schroeder. They will always try to expose Jonas Valenciunas on the pick and roll, and there's no other way to defend other than drop because he cannot step out, he cannot switch. So that's the only option. And it's just the reality of national team basketball that coaches face. You have yeah. great players in, in one position, and then you lack players in other positions, 
and you're just trying to That's fit everybody into some system. Blessing in disguise, like, <laughs> you know, you, you have great players, but they simply don't, let's say, not, they don't hardly, function as well fit together. together. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And uh, uh, anyway, I have I have Lithuania at number six, actually. So we're going to stay probably uh, with this topic for a little while. I'm going to say my number seven later on. But um, I think that Lithuania has some potential to surprise everybody plainly because they can even go deep from the fourth seed, even if they finish in the fourth place in their group B they're going to face Spain or Turkey in the eight finals. Then the quarterfinals, there would be a playable opponent, I would say. Croatia, probably. So with some yeah. luck, they could get to the semifinal. That's actually probably better to finish fourth. Mm. Yeah, that's, start, that's, that's, that's the counting. weird <laughs> thing with this FIBA system, that sometimes yeah. it's, it's better for you to lose and finish fourth than to win and finish third. Anyways, I think this team has some potential. Um, there are certain players that uh, have a lot to prove, like Brasdekis, for example, or Rokas Jokubaitis. He's going sure. to be a leading point guard in this first ever Eurobasket, even though I think Grigonis is the main creator for this team on offense, not Jokubaitis. Jokubaitis is probably going to be the first point guard of the team for the first time in his career, because even in Jalgiris, yeah. he wasn't the main, the starting point guard. He was sort of I put think. in the shooting guard position. And it's for, also a for, huge for pressure. Yeah, you know, for and they were like playing like two guards. Yeah, I think we're, sometimes we're putting too much expectations because we were kind of, you know, sure that oh, that's great that you know we're gonna have Jokubaitis as a main point guard. But at the same time, I mean, he's just 21 years old. He he was taking that backup role in, in in Barcelona, and every time you kind of have a good game, it's already like an he's an, an overachiever. Now he have to deliver every time, especially when Lukas Lukaić is struggling in the preparation game. So, and I mean, we have to be honest. We weren't very, let's say, super happy about Jokubaitis uh, in the preseason of the Eurobasket, let's say. I mean, there there were even more concerns talking about Lekavicius. Oh, yeah. So The good thing is that uh, he's a backup. And the bad thing is that we need Christopo Jamaitis as the third point guard, you know, because the control of the team sometimes, you know, it's not consistent. I mean, our, our problem is that the team is not very well balanced. It's a nice team. You have nice players but the balance is not there. And I'm still looking forward to our team because I think they can play at some certain periods, uh, beautiful basketball. When they play, for example, Rokas Gedraitis, knowing his shooting abilities, if he gets hot and you have Grigonis also there. And, Do and you Brasdeikis. think he starts? Well, those two games against Spain probably answer the question. I think he should he start. He feels better when he starts. If his first couple of buckets You're talking Brasdekis right now. Gedraitis. Gedraitis. Yeah. yeah. Rokas Gedraitis. Rokas Gedraitis. shooter Rokas in this lineup. Brasdekis, for him, it doesn't seem to be a problem whether he steps off the bench or, or, or Although, he starts. Because he's the uh, coach. Maxi I mean, didn't like it. What do you think? The, the game he was uh, coming off the bench against Spain, it didn't work that that well, let's say in the in the first half of him. The second half, I mean, he just missed yeah. open shots. That yeah. was the problem. But Rokas Gedraitis is a very specific player that needs to feel the rhythm. I think he needs to be in the starting line. I think so as well. I mean, then you you're choosing what what you want to have. Put Kavicius for defensive purposes or Brasdekis to have some balance for the second unit. Grigonis can be the sixth man, but he's obviously playing in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So these are nice problems to have. But Rokas Gedraitis for me, he's a starter. He needs to be there. He needs to feel the 
basketball as soon as possible. He needs to get his shots, and and if he hits a couple, then he's gonna be hot, and he's gonna be a problem for for other teams. Especially with uh, the way Lithuania is trying to play this summer, more yeah. more running, uh, more, more Dominic Sabonis uh, pushing the ball and finding open teammates. So. I think that's a must starting lineup yeah. position for him. So for me, Lithuania is number six. For you, Donatas, you have it. I also have Lithuania them as number, number seven. Also yeah. number seven. At first, right. I was thinking about it as my sixth seed, let's say, but I in the last yeah. moment, I just put them in the seventh place. And yeah, they're just missing shooters badly. So you must play Gedraitis in the starting lineup. And I mean, we have guys that can shoot the ball, but not like consistently yeah, but exactly exactly and you know you mentioned sabonis as a starting center and i love this idea and I, I really think that you know in big games and big minutes sabonis should be a definitely closing games and volanchunas could deliver you know from a backup position like giving 15 but solid minutes they are not th these two are going to be on the court at the yeah. closing minutes. Well, yeah. Like, I, but, the, but the thing is that, okay, even talking about the future, we're kind of calm that Sabon is going to be a starting center, but at the same time, who's going to be the stretch four in this team? Who will ha who we going to have as a pure shooters growing up for the national team? Even now, we have players like Igor Dzhukovskis in there as a I like him. I like Igor Dzhukovskis a lot uh, for his physicality, for his versatility defensively uh, mainly, but at the same time, He's a lock in the Lithuanian national team. And it tells a lot. And we were waiting for Mindogas Kuzminskas until the very last moment before the Eurobasket. I think it tells a lot about the depth in this position and the stretch fours we're missing. Yeah, but I mean, if, if we're going to have success, it's not going to be because of stretch four players. It's no, but it helps a lot. Success come, comes from the perimeter players. And in our case, it just happens to be the bigs. It is what it is. I actually like the idea that uh, uh, Linus Kleza brought, um, a former Lithuanian national team leader. He said that we have two of our best players in, you could say, the same position, but I need to have one of them on the court all the time. So it's better for the balance of the team if for they sure. both play the fifth position. Yeah. And Volanchunas, for, for example, accepts a lesser role with like, 16 or 18 minutes where he dominates the first quarter and the third quarter but then the crunch time you're going to play with Domantas as, as mm. your number five and and it could benefit the team actually in my opinion and i think it's the only because way because another thing is you're trying to start all of your best players together but our second unit is just not good enough Honestly, I just don't see Martina Sechotas being a, a reliable center at this level. I think uh, our second unit could be really good if we had Valanciunas or Sabonis all the time on the court. And, for example, we should switch Brasdeikis and Grigonis. I think that they both don't feel on the court as well as they would play separately. And if in both lineups you have, for example, Grigonis and Sabonis or Grigonis and Valanciunas, in the other lineup, Brasdeikis and uh, Sabonis, for example, I think it's it's great. Anything to add? They will play. Like Echodas will not play. Like Sabonis and Valanciunas will play. Uh, will occupy all the eighty minutes, all the forty minutes at the center spot. That's for sure. It should be. Like but that. but they will play much more than sixteen, eighteen minutes, both of them. Yep. So we're we're going to have to see them together at least for I don't know, ten, fifteen minutes per game. In twenty nineteen, it didn't work. And it's not like Daniel Sadomaitis is a bad coach. So I understand your doubts 
why should it work in 2022? I, I hope it works. I hope it works. We're I all just, hoping, just, you know. <laughs> but we just don't see what's different than, than it was in, in 2019. But anyway, let's let's move on to number six. So since um, I have Lithuania at number six, I first of all have to say my number seven. Yeah, yeah. probably. And you're going to have them at six, I believe. Probably. It's Italy. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Italy at number six. Uh, at no, pff, number seven, sorry, man, I'm mixed up. Uh, for me at number seven, just because um, they don't have a center, they don't have muscle, and that's where Lithuania would have an advantage against them if, if they face each other. And the other thing is that last year when they had success, when they qualified for the Olympics, Nico Mannion was a huge X factor. Right now, he, he's starting to look in decent shape, but he's probably not going to be as good as he was a year ago. Um, other than that, I like this team. I like their chemistry. Last year, they showed really great chemistry on the court. They have very smart veteran players like Galinari and Meli that sort of make up for the lack of, of a real center that can play in the paint. Uh, they play beautiful basketball. Uh, yeah. w when they're attacking, all five guys can shoot. You have smart players that can create from every position. You have a glue guy like Simone Fontecchio. He's not a glue guy. He's the leader of that team. Mm, he's I the mean, best player on I, that I team. I meant the glue guy like he connects the guards oh, yeah. with, with the with the with the centers. Yeah. So he's the leader, of course. I agree with that. And what a jump he made in his career so quickly. It's amazing. So it's a great team. I have them at number seven, but again, it wouldn't surprise me if they go deep in the tournament uh, just because of the good chemistry, what Italy was lacking for a long time. For a lot of tournaments, they were like Croatia. <laughs> a lot of guys with big egos, like Bagnani is mm. there, uh, Gallinari, Bellinelli, and it's not a good fit. Right now, it really looks like a real solid basketball team. And, and an exciting team to watch, in my opinion. They just have so many European, good European players on that roster. Yeah. Like almost anyone on that roster is like Fontecchio, Mannion, uh, Melli, Datome, Paiola, Polonara, Spisu, Tonut. E like everyone is a, a good player in their teams. They have big roles. And I think Italy is maybe right now, their limit is like from fifth to eighth the quarterfinal with the possibility to even make a surprise run at the medals. But I think Italy is an up and coming team, which will be really good in the next 10 years. Like if Paolo Banquero also comes to this yeah, team, yeah, yeah. they're going to be, uh, they're going to be huge. And uh, are you concerned about the center position? I mean, they don't really have, of a course, of course, big strong guy of course. who can match some of these uh, centers that other teams have. Of course, yeah, it's a, it's a big concern, and uh, that's why you don't put them in the in the in the, in the medals probably yeah. because if they had, you are looking probably at one of the deepest rosters in the tournament in my eyes. But now they don't have a center, so uh, I'm not sure if you if this let's say small ball can work towards the medals. But um, they're definitely they're my number six. Right for me, number seven, and your number six. Yeah, I actually have Italy as outside of my top eight. Outside of the top eight? Yeah, wow. because I was deciding between Spain and Italy. But so just because of this championship where, mentality, where we start coaching. some differences. Yeah, I, I really like Italy and I feel bad for leaving them out. Uh, but at the same time, because the, the main thing is that they always had talent. I mean, we can remember all these teams with uh, Gentile, Bariani, Bellinelli, Hackett, all the other guys. Probably it was way more talented teams than the current one. But at the same time, we were missing 
obviously we were missing the chemistry between the uh, guys, both on and off the court. And I was surprised the way they, first of all, managed to qualify to the Olympics last year because we kind of didn't expect that. And the way they competed they, in they the Olympics. They beat Serbia. Not only beat, they just kicked their ass. Yeah, yeah. Tried. Although, yeah. you know, in Serbia Belgrade. probably had hotel yep, reservations in already Belgrade. in Tokyo. And in Tokyo, let's not forget, the quarterfinal they played with France, it was really close. Yeah. It was a tough game for, for France. So it, Italy was really close to the medal stage. And Mayo Sacchetti did a great job. Yeah. I liked uh, the way he was coaching the team, and I was so surprised <laughs> that they decided to, to change the coach. Again, Marco Pozzerco is another legend. We all remember this atomic, atomic B? Fly. Atomic Fly. Fly. Yeah, from his time with the Italy national team. Are you trying to remind us of Athens? Uh, 2004? Nah. What are you implying? What are you implying? I'm just saying that I f that's why I feel bad that okay, I left so, them out. So you omit, omitted Italy. Yeah. Me and Augustus, we omitted Croatia. Does that yeah. mean you have Croatia? Yeah, I have Croatia. At number I'm six. a big Ooh, believer sleep, in this Croatia team. Pick. Exactly. I think that they're sleepers. Uh, they're underrated because I think that now finally it's time that this team this group of guys they finally got matured Mar maria Hazon is one of these main examples because his character his personality was always questioned and from what i hear from his last year in kazan he was say, mentally he was great he was playing also for a successful team that unix was that year and it's not about maria Hazonia who is coming at his peak he's 27 there is dario Saric. okay he had a year off due to injury but in FIBA basketball after all these friendly games, I think that he will get in shape. He's 28. If it's a Zubats, uh, he's becoming better. He's uh, becoming a solid piece for this Croatian national team. Bojan Bogdanovic, he's 33, but he still has it. And I mean, you have a five with Zubats, Šaric, Hezonia, Bogdanovic, and Jalen Smith which is an, another incredible addition for the Croatian national team. Although I hate all these naturalized players, the idea of players naturalization we don't hate the players themselves exactly yeah, yeah. exactly just to idea. clarify yeah hate the, the idea that we're just playing this general manager but at the same time Jillian Smith is a perfect fit for this team because he's a pass first defensive minded guard who also shined in Alba Berlin in the second part of the season and this group I mean it was just what this group needed actually from the point guard don't position somebody to be a ball distributor don't you think there's a concern about the depth I mean always. the bench looks always looks because really poor off the bench I only like Krono Simon, but he's 37, coming after a difficult year in yeah. FS caused by injuries. Uh, and I like this guy, Karlo Matkovic. He's the 52nd NBA draft pick of this NBA draft, 21-year-old guy, more of a center, uh, athletic, uh, big, fast, versatile, uh, defensively versatile guy. So the depth will be an issue, but at the same time, they have a lot of talent. And sometimes I think that depth in competitions like Eurobasket is a bit overrated thing. Uh, if you remember Slovenia I national agree. team, they like basically won the seven man championship rotation. with eight players. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if he, if the coach Molomerovic will manage to adjust roles, to adjust some lineups, to yeah. give some rest for these main players who are at the great shape, uh, to implement these role players who will be playing on limited uh, minutes, they might be great. And from what I hear, the chemistry so far, of course, until the first big losses are coming, mm -hmm. chemistry basically probably is always great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so far, everybody's enjoying their time. And of course, it's a matter of uh, chemistry. If they will find players who will be willing to sacrifice, 
to play off ball uh, if they will put all their effort in defense. I'm, I think that they can be really great. Right. Well, I agree that if everything really clicks, they mm. could have some success. But there, there are so many ifs. Too many ifs. One big if. Too many ifs. Only one big if. Nah, for me, it's at, at least a couple of question marks with Team Croatia. Anyway, um, Augusta, since we're talking about Croatia, we don't have them in our top eight, but still, uh, I want to ask you this. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic is one of my favorite Croatian players of all time. We've seen him in the Quinn Snyder's Utah Jazz system being put as sort of a stretch four guy. I mean, that's the system it's based on great spacing but more of a spot-up shooter than in the croatian national team he's he's the slasher he does everything he posts up he's posting up he's scoring from the paint where do you see him right now when he's 33 do you think it's hezonia's team or or is it still bogdanovic's team i think uh hezonia has to be the number one guy yeah and I uh i mean jaleen smith is a not you know scoring first he doesn't he's have not Lorenzo Brown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he also can create a lot of for uh, for Bogdanovic as well. So we don't know Dario Char Dario Saric how much in shape he's coming to the to the tournament. So I imagine him playing some minutes at the four. And I think I still think he's a great player. I think he is underrated in Europe because he has spent uh, a lot of time in the NBA, not a lot of people uh, from Europe who watch NBA watch you, the Utah Jazz. So I think he is somewhat underappreciated in, in, in Europe. And he shines in all of these tournaments, at, at least individually. Mm. So uh, I think Hezonia will be number one option on that team. Maybe not, but in my eyes, he should be like a little bit over the... Over the I'm thinking the same. I'm thinking the same actually, because uh another thing is that bogdanovic sort of seems to be declining a little bit i'm not saying that rapidly declining but just a little yeah. bit uh, watching him last year in the Utah jazz so hezonia right now being at his peak with the confidence being so high as after it is, a season like this it's he has to be the main guy i agree with you and i and he's uh, Bogdanovic is such a good spot up shooter that you don't want to uh, diminish his spot up shots yeah. at the cost of him creating for others. Yeah, you don't want to overplay him in other situations. I agree completely. Okay, right. So let's move on. Uh, number five? number six. He's number six. Is Italy. Italy. Oh, Italy. Just okay. like him. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. So number five. So wait, we had three different teams for number six. It appears Italy, to be so. Lithuania, Lithuania. Croatia. Okay. Ah, okay. okay. Number five is going to be probably the same probably for all of same, us yeah. because the big four is because the, clear the and obvious. Set, yeah. But number five is a really exciting basketball team, and uh, another thing that we should mention is their head coach. <laughs> he will make all the press conferences much all more the, interesting. All the headlines. All the headlines. Uh, he's already making the headlines with he's, his. He statements. said we the media is not giving him enough attention. The, not him, but the team. We are not like well, media I, is not talking uh, as much as uh, the funny it thing is that Turkey. some at least our colleagues from Turkey told that Ataman basically runs the media things. I mean, he controls who can speak, 
who might be able for really? media and usually <laughs> he tries to put all the focus on himself and I, I don't know if he's just trying to protect the team or he just want to be a main star I just you know, love how he's dealing with everything that's around basketball and then he starts dealing with the basketball issues and he leaves the basketball issues for players issues basically because you have Shane yeah. Larkin on your team yeah. once again yeah so Turkey at number five I think it's a lock at number five because the as I said, the top four is is very obvious right now, but Turkey, but if not in power rankings, we yeah. you yeah. could see we Turkey could see in, them the, in the semifinal. Four. Yeah, it's just the power yeah. rankings. We're exactly. ranking the teams based on our opinions, looking based at the rosters, strength, at the yeah. potential, and everything. But you have the brackets, and some teams will clash with each other. And Turkey could go to the semifinals. First of all, I definitely see them winning Group A, overcoming Spain. And the core that they have, and I mean, it's just a well-put modern basketball team with Shane Larkin as your point guard. Ball handler, let's say. Scorer, yeah, say. ball handler. Yeah, yeah. Creator, yeah. Right, whatever. Yeah. Whatever you want to, you want to put some labels. Yeah, probably yeah. scorer or ball handler is better than just the point guard. You have Shane Larkin. He's unstoppable in FIBA basketball. And he's unstoppable when he's playing against those bigs with drop coverage yeah. he, actually he had a hard time so far he was averaging only four points i know per game, that those, he will get there those yeah. Yeah. Least, but just I, I don't pay too himself. much attention yeah. to that then you have a guy that i think is very underrated it's chetty osman mm. he's so good in, in in european basketball he can play as a four as a free he can defend all multiple positions the skill set he has an offense can be a playmaker for a team he can create he can shoot he can drive he can do everything. Then you have a pure shooter in Furkan Korkmaz. Who was hot in the friendlies. Very hot. His numbers are crazy. And then you have the Turkish Nikola Jokic mm. at the number five. <laughs> so it's a great team. And also like a guys, you, you, you have guys like Serta Shanli as mm. the second option at the center position. the floor, yeah. They don't even miss Yurcheven that much, I believe. When you have Shanli and Shangun, I think uh, that they miss every solid player because their bench is not. I mean, very they're not solid. a very deep team. I yeah. agree, but once again, we we come back to your statement. Exactly. Yeah. Seven eight man rotation is is enough yeah. in a tournament. And like if you this. have Hazer Mamutoglu on the bench, Shanli, for example, it's it's already okay for your team, especially with with all I these mean, stars. The starting lineup has enormous potential. The only problem I see is you know the forward position at the four, mm -hmm. like you don't have someone you can count on there you have other players filling from other positions and uh with together with the short roster that they have that might be a problem just just in my eyes but overall mm. turkey is my sleeper pick not even to go to the semifinals not even to to be in the top four but maybe even talk we talk about the medals i wonder what eyes. ersan eliasov is up to these days Maybe he could play <laughs> 15 minutes. Lace up and just stay in the <laughs> corner and, uh, you know. Yeah, because be <laughs> I, th I think he was 30 years old for like 10 years in a row. <laughs> so maybe he could still do a job for this team. <laughs> and Turkey is playing the, let's say not the same because let's give some respect, but really very, very, very similar game to what Anadolu uh, is playing It's just that they don't have Mitic. Yeah, it's just, just have Larkin. other players. Yeah. yeah, They have Larkin and they, they have, have Jedi Osman. Yeah. But they're an exciting team. Honestly, 
and probably like you said it is the team who wants who wins the group a probably is going to have the, the, mm, the best path let's yeah. say to the semi-final they might face like germany for example yeah. and if and turkey plays germany in berlin <laughs> let's not think that germans <laughs> will be dominating the stands i think the turkish people will be louder so uh, Playing in in Germany is a, is is a real tricky thing. Is is a real good thing for for the Turkish team, I think. Uh, and and potentially in the quarterfinal you have Croatia uh, and then second of Group D, which could be any one of four: Poland, Czech Republic, Finland, and uh, very beatable uh, opponents. Yeah, exactly. Very beatable. And the thing with Turkey is that ever since I was following uh, basketball. Uh, Turkey had success only when they played at home. Mm. And Berlin is as close, yeah. as, it close gets, as, possible. Yeah. as close as it gets to playing in Istanbul. <laughs> Outside of Turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see, but uh, I'm really excited to see them. I'm excited to go to some of Ergin Ataman's press conferences. Um, he just makes the team even more interesting. I mean, the roster itself is interesting, but when you have Ergin at the wheel, you're did in for some entertainment. Uh, did you watch the, the game when he was ejected? I mean, uh, he was ejected once one more time. Uh, he didn't want to go. Greece. And he yeah. didn't want, he to, didn't go want out. to leave again because it's so hard to move uh, Ataman out of the court. <laughs> and he actually didn't leave the court. He just, you know, sat uh, next on the side uh, on the side of the bench, like with the VAP fans of uh, Turkish team. And you know what, Turkish Ataman being at the Eurobasket also means. You're gonna have some of his impressions in our yeah, podcast. Let's Ooh. go. <laughs> I actually forgot that. Can That's we, amazing. Can we have one now? <laughs> I think it's too early. <laughs> That's a preparation stage. Yes, yeah, so. it's too early. Rit yeah. is, is uh, himself is in the preseason. Yeah, still the preseason <laughs> mode, but I'm getting getting close to my best shape. Can you imagine Ergen's ego if he wins a medal or even the gold medal? I mean. He would. He has to be the end. The man then. would be ruling the European basketball. He sh he should be named the emperor of, exactly. of, of European basketball. It, it won't be possible to talk to him anymore. <laughs> At least on a, it, it has to be on a presidential level or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So shout out to. <laughs> uh, okay, Turkey. number five, Turkey. We all agree on that. So number four. Now we, we have the top four. We have the same four teams, but it's interesting to hear from you guys yeah. how you rank the them. order. Yeah, the order. So number four, what do you have? I was, uh, I changed my mind a couple of times going during the podcast. You mean? Or no, 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 no. Before, 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 <laughs> before, because we still haven't talked about it. So maybe now if yeah, we yeah. talk, and then I was like, okay, your arguments are nice, and then I'm changing my mind. But I have Greece at mm. number four, and Yanis um, with Dimitris Dudis together is already a lock for the top four in my eyes. And it's not going to be the same tournament. It's not going to be the same tragic tournament that they had in the World Cup where they didn't go through the second round three years ago. Yanis is much, a much better player than he was three years ago. He added some mid-range game. He added somewhat a three-point shot. Uh, he plays smarter. He's, he plays smarter. And you have Dimitris Itoudis because three years ago, I made a video for the channel a couple of weeks ago. So I rewatched all of their games in the World Cup and it was just Yanis playing hero ball from the perimeter where he was when he still didn't have a jump shot, yeah. when he was uh, where he was least efficient. Yeah. 
and there offensive was foul, no offensive foul idea. The yeah, some of the calls were questionable. Questionable, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they were simply not playing to his strengths. And I already see from only two friendlies that Yanis played until now. Yeah, they're using him completely different. So there's going to be like three, let's say, main areas. They want to get him the ball as close to the rim where he can just it's a foul or it's a dunk. Then they play him as a screener, which I really enjoy because then he, th there is also a possibility for him catching the ball near the rim, but also the gravity when he's rolling opens up or the possibility for the ball handle to go until the rim or there main uh, a lot of kickouts. And he wants it to this wants him on the left block in the post yeah. where he plays usually in the NBA and also playing pick and roll with Dorsey. So you have two probably the most dangerous players on their team playing together and the opponents have to just pick their poison. Mm. Who are you going to risk on? What are you going to do? And so far in two games, Yanis has made four free pointers on seven. I know it's a small sample size and we shouldn't be overexcited, but he made all of those four free pointers where after the dribble pull up threes, which is, I was watching at, at these three pointers and I was like, okay, this is scary guys. Who like what are you going to do against the three point line is a little bit closer in Europe. That also helps. Maybe it benefits. Maybe. Him. But um I know it's only four from seven and it's only two yeah. games, but if he hits this these shots, they can go even to win the gold medal. But that's the, at the same time the biggest question about this team. Can mm -hmm. his jump shot hold throughout the tournament? I think an even bigger question is not the three point percentage, but the free throw percentage. If he can keep it up. 75 percent 70 70 yeah yeah during the whole tournament the other teams would not have the pleasure of fouling Yanis Antetokounmpo every time when he's closer to the rim because if he's shooting like in 60s or under 60 even no that's good foul him for other teams it's great yeah. because also you have Kaladis on the court you can foul him as well you can hack him He's also a very poor free throw shooter and he's not a good free point shooter, which helps you on defense because you can pack the paint all the time. Yeah. And, and there's no free seconds on defense in, in, in FIBA. In FIBA. So it's different. You just put a big body there. But um, I have Greece at number three. I have them higher. First of all, it's a great point fr from you about the Yanis being the screener. I think this is when Milwaukee Bucks started having more success, when they exactly. started using him more as a screener than the ball handler. And Middleton, Holiday were the guys having the ball in their hands more often. Um, and in FIBA basketball, it should also work. Itudis has a very, very big basketball brain. He's one of the he, best coaches in Europe. He you know. knows how to put players in their yeah. best positions. If you watch Itudis and his uh, ska, uh, they were not running too many sets. It was all about the spacing and putting the players in their right positions with, and searching for mismatches. You will obviously have some mismatches with, with, with the team you have right now. So it, it makes me also a big believer in this team because in 2019, I was in China, I was watching one of their games and I saw a lineup with Burusis, Printezis and Yanis and Dodokumpo. And I and thought to myself- And Nicolaitis. Probably, or Slukas, I, I don't remember. But, I mean, it was Borussis, Printezis, mm. and Yanis. And I thought to myself, why? Why in the world would you do that when you have Yanis? And now with the proper coach, I think they can find a winning formula and, 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 and win a medal. But can they find enough shooters around Yanis? I mean, when you kind of you know, you will have to use Kalaitis. Dorsey helps him a lot. Dorsey, 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 Dorsey Slukas, it's, it's great. But, I mean, I'm Papa talking about Nicolau. forwards. 
Papa Nicolaou was shooting threes like, I mean, he's very inconsistent. He's you very remember his numbers in 2019, I think he, it was like something between 10 or 20%. He's that inconsistent. And even Borus is, even it sound, he sounds bad, but now we have Papayanis and Costa Santacumbo. But um, let's not forget about one thing. We're just talking about shooting, about scoring, yeah. defense. This team can lock up Their anyone. potential on defense is just enormous. Yanis can guard anybody. If you have Yanis, you're already a good defensive team. But next to him, you have Nick Kalaitis as a tall point guard, a physical point guard. You have Tyler Dorsey, who is very good defending on ball. And Kostas Papunikolaou at third position. He's a fighter. He's a warrior. So on defense, this team, you're going into a quarterfinal with the mentality that you're going to win by grinding and fighting on the court. And Yanis is a coachable superstar he will he's willing to sacrifice himself for the team he's willing to sacrifice his numbers he doesn't care about the numbers he doesn't care about the stat sheet he just wants to win so with this mentality being led by uh, dimitri Situdis, i have them in my medals section i have the number three in the power rankings and i think we're going to see the best of Giannis uh, so far in the fiba tournaments the reason i have them as my fourth uh pick is that uh, Yanis played only two games. I mean, Yanis as itself, I mean, he requires some preparation, some adjustments around himself, especially for FIBA basketball. These guys didn't play together uh, for a while. I mean, that's a big, big job for Itudis to make all these pieces click, especially with Yanis, who requires a lot of things around him. He played only in two games, and um, I know that there's a hot topic in Greek national team, this, you know, Milwaukee Bucks impact on the team, because some say that they kind of control Giannis in terms of when he's going to play friendly game and when coach not. Coach Bud is there all the time. He's there all the time. The uh, assistant coach as is well. in the... And, and, yeah, and sometimes they, they kind of, you know, get informed about his availability just like almost before the game. So it hurts. It also hurts the fact that Papa Giannis missed the entire preparation stage. He should play in the Eurobasket, but it's like getting into shape during the group stage. And... We're talking about another guy who's not playing with the team. He's not pr preparing for the Eurobasket. Papa, Papa Petro's situation yeah. is also unclear. So there are a lot of all these issues with some players being in and out. Viviane is playing less than half of the preparation games. All these concerns about shooters around. That's that's why I put Greece in four. Because mm. when we're talking about this big four, we're mm. talking about the perfectionists. And we're seeking for that perfectionist. So there are some glimpses uh, around Greek national team. But you know, the good thing, and, and I believe you will agree with me, is that Yanis Antetokounmpo has such a great personality. Yeah. His character, his work ethics, he's a super professional. He's a coach's dream, mm. honestly, because sometimes you have star players with amazing skills, but with huge egos as well. And Yanis never puts himself over the team. I think he's the best role model uh, among these NBA superstars in so. terms of work ethics, so. the approach, the way he tries to involve other guys. And even though Milwaukee has some preferences towards his availability for some games, maybe practices, but I mean, his work ethics, his example in the locker room, I mean, no concerns, uh, no complaints at all from what I hear. So he, he's the leader to follow. And, you know, we already mentioned all these tactical adjustments they will need to make, but when you have a Dimitri Satoudis, you can trust the guy. So we'll see if so he will figure out the medal formula, at least. So I'm sorry, Reese is number three for me, number four for you. Yeah, number four. Number four. So what just do you have just, for the to, just to finish off on mm -hmm. Greece, just adding two points. Yeah. 
Uh, one thing I didn't like in those two games that Yanis played, the refs in Greece. I mean, they were just, every time he missed a layup or he was about to miss a layup, it was a foul. In situations where, you know, you're not going get, to get these calls in the Eurobasket. And so this was one thing I, I didn't re really like uh, about their preparation and on those two games, because it's not going to be that easy in the Eurobasket. And the second one is not, is why I put them in, in the fourth as well, is because, you know, you have Jokic, Luka and Yanis uh, as the three main superstars of this tournament. Yeah. And the FIBA rules and the FIBA game takes away the most from Yanis's game uh, comparing to Luka and to Jokic, in my opinion. Like mm -hmm. Luka, I, I would even say he's even more better, more dangerous playing by the FIBA rules. Yeah, he is. Yanis uh, Jokic is maybe um, the, the, the smaller court and the shorter three-point line maybe takes away a bit of his passing, just maybe a little bit. But for Yanis, this is where things get much harder in my eyes. And this is why I have them at number four mm. as well. So one I, one I, more I, reason. I just have them at number three because I believe they will be the best defensive team in the tournament. And who, and who do you have, I have in the Serbia number four? Number four. Ah, okay. Have Serbia number four. Uh, some could say that's because of coach Pesic and that's just part of it. I, do, I don't think that Pesic is, is going to destroy the team in any way, even though the move with Teodosic was interesting, let's say. Sorry for inter interrupt you, but I found some amazing, tremendous article about Pesic. The last time Serbia, or let's say former Yugoslavia, won the gold in any FIBA competition was uh, 2002 World Cup. And once I was getting ready for interview with Pesic, and I kind of had this storyline, you know, to jump on from the fact that Pesic was the coach in 2002, now he's back. I was surprised by this decision because, you know, we're talking about the whole different generation of Serbian players with Jokic, Misic, freestyle bas basketball, a lot of creativity. And now you put Pesic coach, who is who's a, a system as itself. And I found this article by Mark Stein from ESPN, 2002, September 7. And these are some shocking lines. I mean, this is the team which won the gold in World Cup, which is already a big thing. And I mean, there are some some stories like, for example, Pesic during the game, he sent off Vladimir Rodmanovic, the legendary Seattle Supersonics uh, forward, off the bench well, legendary. to the stands. Very generous. <laughs> <laughs> He's legendary, maybe in Serbian national team or right? NBA life because he had <laughs> yeah. a three-point yeah, shooting yeah. badge. <laughs> I, I had him on my teams a lot, so he was banished from the bench after halftime, uh, spat with his coach, uh, and uh, during the game when wow. he was sent to the stands near the media tribune, he was also taking pictures with fans, uh, eating popcorns. Uh, he also had uh, accepted some phone calls during the game and like clutch moments of the fourth quarter. It was also said that uh, the security guy of Yugoslavia's team bus once just left the bus in the middle of the street because he didn't want to hear all these uh, conflicts and you know player and coach shouting at each other anymore. I mean, even even Vlade Divac throws some some stories that uh, he almost regretted coming back to the national team, and it, he's done. He's done after this. Actually, World Cup. not so long ago during the pandemic, uh, when we were in a lockdown, uh, I rewatched the final Yugoslavia against Argentina. Uh -huh. 
so many legendary players, but the basketball was so different 20 years ago. And yeah, <laughs> this is a great article. You should send me the link. I will definitely read it. I just post it <laughs> in the comments for everyone. To yeah, read. I'll just it's post just it in the comments. But anyways, um, getting back to Serbia now in 2022, again, coached by Pesic. Um, I mean, if they had Bogdan Bogdanovic on the I, roster, yeah, that, that's, that's my no first, that's my I, first I would line. have them <laughs> ranked at number two, probably. Maybe or maybe even number, number, one. Maybe number one. Maybe, maybe even number, number one. one. Right number now, one is Nemanja Belica. They were missing well, Nemanja Belica from Nemanja Belica, number if, one. If he doesn't play, then definitely have them as number four without question. I mean, Jokic and Mitic, you have the NBA MVP and the EuroLeague MVP. It's 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 mind-blowing. The best yeah. one-two punch. It's really mind-blowing. And they're going to go far. I ha definitely, they, they should be and they will be in the semifinals. Whether Pesic is hard on them or not, they're going to do their thing. But it's just that I thought to myself, who I want to have in one single knockout game right now, who would I rather have, Yanis or Jokic? And I agree with everything you said about the FIBA rules. But just for the defensive presence, I'm going with Yanis, which means I'm going with Greece. But the Serbian team, would it surprise me if they win the gold? Fuck no. no. Of course not. No. They can win the gold. Mitic with Jokic, they should enjoy playing with each other. I mean, they played with each other in China 2019, but it was those were different circumstances. I believe Mitic was overcoming some uh, tragic events that happened in his personal life or something like that. His mind was really not there. And and Jokic was still struggling a little bit. He was not in a very good physical shape. Right now we see him... Completely he, different physical-wise. Completely different. And I mean, I have no concerns about these two guys performing. It's just about no. what the others can give to the team. So with Bogdan Bogdanovic, there wouldn't be any questions. Right now, Bogdan's not playing. You still have some doubts whether Lucic, will he be able to contribute enough? And everybody else, the I, backup I, players I, also, the I bench. I don't have doubts about Lucic, Kalinic. I mean, I think that these are great forwards, but I have doubts about them just being a consistent as a team and building the chemistry because like the other guards who, who, who's going for to example, help uh, Misic yeah and we thought that Marco oh, so, Gudic so might be so that secondary ball handler he's not playing for the team he's injured uh, Nemanja Nedovic he's in and out he's also injured he might miss the upcoming games he might come back but I mean there are too many question marks Nemanja Belica he could be another playmaker on that team and you can imagine Nikola Jokic Misic and Nemanja Belica I mean, these three players are like point guards, basically. So, but they're missing so many players. Uh, they're inconsistent with their uh, preparation uh, so far. And I think that it's an issue. Again, when you're looking for that perfection, uh, perfection, uh, it's a problem for them. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's a great talent on the court, but still we don't, we didn't see them winning together. So it's another topic if they can, you know, uh, can come together for the gold, for example, because everything else went gold. I think it's kind of failure. Correct for, me for if Serbia. I'm wrong, but in 2017, when they reached the final and they lost to Slovenia, they were obviously led by Bogdan Bogdanovic, but Mitic was the main point guard even before he was the EuroLeague MVP or something like that. He was there on the team. He he was in a guys rotation like, of three guards, I think. But I think that Markovic or Jovic, maybe he maybe was the Jovic, point guard. Maybe Jovic, yeah. right? Boban Marjanovic was and a they center. They had guys like Machvan with big roles in yeah. that team. And they still went to the final. Machvan yeah. was like, uh, scored like 19 or 20 points, I think, in the final. Oh, yeah. Okay. He, he was one of their go-to guys, yeah. actually. Now this team is so Mitch much played, different. Mitic played uh, 18 minutes in that final. And Stevan Jovic uh, played yeah. 14, but he was starting. 
So anyway, Mitsich at that time was just a EuroLeague's role player. Yeah. Right he now he's actually yeah. five years later he's he the MVP. Yeah. He had in the tournament he had two point four points average. Now oh, he's wow. the wow the best top five player in Europe. In, in, in Europe. Thir yeah. Thirteen minutes on court on average. Uh, field goal thirty three percent from the field. Uh, and you just didn't nothing. see it in him that he's gonna rise so high. Wait, what? That th th this this five was five years, years ago. Five years ago. So uh, before what? he moved to Konas. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So okay, so, number four, Serbia for me. I had Greece at four. Yeah, Greece four, Serbia three. And you have Serbia. I had Serbia too. So okay. your third team is France. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about France. I think they are a bit under the radar for this tournament. Actually, I don't know why. Maybe because they also have a lot of let's say new faces. But last year they went to the final of of the Olympics and uh, they were competing in the final. They were just exactly. They weren't just there. Yeah, they were competing they, they for they the beat, gold medal. They, they beat the USA in the group stage, yeah. and it wasn't a surprise. Obviously, that team of the USA wasn't with the let's say best players that could possibly come uh, to play for the United States. But you have. Gobert, you have Poirier, Yebuzele, Fournier, you have Elia Kobo, you have Thomas Huertel, and Luva um, Ukabao, I would say. Luva Ukabao also. Can, he was great yeah, in that he one. Great, uh, he this had is, a great tournament in Tokyo. This is uh, seven players. This is the most complete and packed team, I would say. In the I would love tournament. to see Nikola Batum with them, with, with this crew still. Uh, it's a shame he's not going to be in this Eurobasket. In the Colos case, I'm quite confident that Okobo yeah, can exactly. take that role and, sure. and be the second ball handler next to Evan Fournier. I don't have a problem with that. No. He, he showed last season in EuroLeague that he's not afraid of any challenges or whatever. And you you talked about Greece's potential uh, on on defense. Yeah. France is yeah. Uh, you know at the same level if not even better like Rudy Gobert, you cannot expose him as you can in the NBA mm -hmm. playoffs maybe. And he has, you know, better defensive players around him. He can just stand in the paint all the time, all the possession if he wants. And uh, Gershon Yabuzele at the four had an amazing season at wow. Real Madrid. You know, you have Poirier as a backup and also foul. Backup. When Boris Diaw retired, you didn't think you're going to have another <laughs> power forward like this in the and, French and national team. They're similar, you know. Body shape, wise, yeah. I don't know how to say that, but you're trying to be polite. I'm trying. I, I, mean, I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that's actually his his uh, body shape is actually an advantage. Yeah, he has, he has a lot of power. He has yeah. a lot of power, and he is quick with it. Yeah. So yeah. it's 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 only an advantage for him. So uh, and I think uh, they are really extremely well matched against Greece if they play in the semifinal. Mm -hmm. They are extremely well matched, especially on on the defensive side and uh, uh, against Yanis. So this yeah. is why I have it. I have them at three, but uh, with the list we are making after this in the bracket, I see them winning uh, silver medal. I see them winning gold. Actually, that's, oh. that's my prediction for the tournament. Mm. But in the power ranking system, I have them <laughs> ranked second. That's, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with everything you said. I think that if Okobo is ready to step up into Decolo's role, Luvavu Cabarro is ready to step up into Batum's role, and and the team is balanced. It's, it's still the cycle is done. Let's say the all the legends went away. We have new ones, and you have a really. Solid They're still team. stacked. They're mm -hmm. still stacked. Yeah, some players are missing, like Nilikina. 
Uh, they could have an even better roster. I agree with that. But in every position, they have different options, the way they want to play. The coach has been there for, what, like more than 10 years? From 2009. So 13 years, right? So they have more or less the same system. Uh, the they didn't same, have any struggles during the preparation. The no injuries or a something. A very consistent team that they very rarely have bad tournaments. Like only 2017, I remember when they lost to Germany, it was a really bad tournament for them. But other but than that, I mm. see this as, let's say, not a, a positive side. Extra motivation. Extra motivation. You finished 12th and for France, this is a failure. Yeah. So now you kind of want to prove yourself wrong. I know they were uh, really good at the World Cup. I know they got silver uh, in the Olympics. Yeah. But the last year of basket they played, they finished 12. So I, I, I think this is uh, extra motivation for them and for these new players to prove that, that they can win Eurobasket. You know what I love about France? Um, the way Evan Fournier came out of Tony Parker's shadow. Mm. I remember Eurobasket 2015, uh, it was in France, actually, in Lille, I believe. In and, the football and stadium. Parker was still playing, the Colo was playing, and Fournier was averaging like two points per game, even though in Orlando he was already averaging 16 or 18 points. Mm, something, right. But he was just stuck in the Tony Parker shadow. In, in Rio Olympics it was the same, he just couldn't perform. And ever since Tony Parker retired, Fournier got the ball in his hands. He started playing all the pick and rolls. Mm. And we saw him as the unstoppable scorer in FIBA basketball, the 2019 World Cup, the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. He's just dominating games. He can shoot, he can drive, he he can pass alley-oops to Gobert and everything. So that's what I love the most about this team, the continuity. Fournier was there with Parker, but he didn't have the role he was patient, Parker retired, now Fournier is the guy. And of mm. course, talking about Gobert, there are no defensive free seconds here. Yeah. He can work in, in different uh, defensive schemes. What I want to see in this tournament, one of my biggest expectations, Jokic, Gobert in FIBA rules. Mm. Because in NBA... It's different. It's different. And Jokic usually... Wins. I remember wins. that conversation. Yeah. yeah, I remember that conversation. I'm not not only that he's the better player, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean when, when Utah Jazz faced the Denver Nuggets, yeah, yeah. usually usually Jokic has uh, has great performances. But in FIBA rules, it might be different. You don't know. So I would love to see Serbia, France, maybe in the semifinals or in the final. Who knows? But for me, France is number two. Yeah, I also have France as number two. I actually had them as my number one option, uh, but in the last minute, I kind of changed my mind because I took Slovenia. Because you, you have to go with Luka. Ex I mean, I, it's, it's funny because <laughs> I, I see this, this draft <laughs> and at first, at my first ranking, Slovenia was like third, but the more I thought about it, I was like, I mean, they were already amazing last year and now they have Goran Dragic on nice. top of that because, you know, when Luka Doncic was benched uh, or he got early in the foul trouble, Slovenia was in trouble. Although the, let's say, other guys, uh, they really stepped up all the time. I mean, they, they were overachieving even playing without Luka. But now you have Goran Dragic as your life insurance and he's... He is great, and the combination of of Robin and Batman is also amazing. Because I think that the best thing about Goran Dragic return returning to the team is that last year in the crucial games, starting from semifinals, I think that Slovenia just lost their heads. Especially Luca was so emo emotional, mostly with refereeing, 
and just uh, facing all these uh, difficulties, he just lost his mind. And you know, Goran Dragic, Goran Dragic is the most experienced guy on this group. And not only his scoring abilities, not only his ball handling and taking some pressure off of uh, Luca, but also his experience, his maturity will help Slovenians, uh, Slovenians a lot. Uh, you know, to finish the tournament on the highest note. And and yes, yeah, since Nikola Batum is off. I mean, no one nobody's to gonna block. Nobody's Prepilich. gonna block Prepilich. So they will be, you know, they will be the best. <laughs> Easy. This is for me the best uh, possible offensive team that you can have around a superstar like Luka Doncic. You have uh, not prime Dragic, let's say, but he is still extremely good as the second option. So you have two creators, and then you have everyone. Everyone on that team can shoot the ball. Uh, Mike Toby. Mike Toby is not as good as Anthony Randolph is, but Mike Toby is a perfect fit at the five for the Slovenia team. Yes, their problem is going to be the defense, but this team can simply outscore yep. anyone in yeah, this exactly. tournament. And you can see that from the from the friendly games, they're scoring around 100 points basically for every game. And they're not playing the usual minutes they will mm -hmm. be playing in the tournament. But when you have Prepelic, Blažić, uh, Muric, Chanchar. Chanchar probably is going to have amazing tournament. Luka Doncic so, makes everyone so much better around yeah. him that when Chanchar is playing for Slovenia, you're thinking, why is this guy not getting any minutes this in the guy, NBA? Yeah, could be a role <laughs> player easily. Yeah, uh, so. I mean, there's not much more to say about Slovenia and their huge potential. It's just that when they play, they make the FIBA game look more similar to the NBA. When you look yeah. at the stat sheet, so the, smooth. the number of possessions they had, it looks like they played 48 minutes. It looks like the FIBA court is actually wider than it is. The spacing is perfect. But because Luca is playing uh, in his mind, the, the line is further away, like against Turkey or, or, or I think it was against Turkey. He was stepping back from one meter away from the line. So he shot two meters away from the line. And the defender was simply not not expecting that. And what can yeah. you just do against, and or when he's posting up, just shooting turnarounds, fading away. They can outscore so everybody. That's yeah. that that's for sure. And when you said the f the the point about their defense, I agree one hundred percent. It's just the only problem that in in certain situations, if some of these guys get in foul trouble. There might be some obstacles, really. I mean, for example, Mike Toby, he's a guy that usually gets a lot of fouls in, in when mm -hmm. he plays in the EuroLeague or in the EuroCup. I think he was averaging like three fouls per game playing 16 minutes. So playing against centers like Valenciunas and others, he might get in a foul trouble. Then you have to go with the small lineup. It could work. I'm not saying anything. I mean, you're playing with Luka Doncic. It and did Goran work Dragic. in 2017. It, Giga Dimas it was. Did uh, work. Yep, it did work last year in in the Olympic qualifying tournament when when the coach had to make some decisions with Edo Muric, I believe, as as the number yeah. five. Anyways, uh, sometimes even Luka Doncic himself might get in the foul trouble and discussions with the referees that are really unnecessary. This and is the part he burned out in in the Olympics. Why did he lost the bronze medal game? Luca was out of gas and he started fighting the refs. He stopped playing and that's it. He's in much better shape, I think, right now. He is. But he is. the part with the refs is the tricky one. And I think that could decide if they go back to back or not. 
the and the, 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 his talks. You with, mean his with, emotions? His emotions. Controlling yeah. the emotions. He, yeah. he didn't learn the lesson because his number of technical fouls he received last year in the NBA even increased compared to the two years ago. At mm -hmm. the same time, you know, we can think about the referees in the Eurobasket. It's something closer to Luca's game when, you know, playing in the Olympics or World Cups where you can get referees from South I know South America from Africa. Still, man, with uh, different mentality. I don't yeah. trust but these referees. Of course, there are no Euroleague referees. But still, here. there's a little little margin that might help uh, for Maybe, Luka in this case. Maybe, but watching the FIBA qualifiers, I'm sorry, I, I have a lot of questions about the quality of the True. refereeing, and the Euroleague refs are are great. They are respected. Uh, we see them every week in in these big games, and they just handle everything. I mean, At Ataman gets technicals, okay, but that's on him. But these FIBA refs, I'm not so sure about their quality and there might be some problems. In, 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 in most important case. thing is that Luca doesn't need to think about this thing, about, about refs. I mean, he doesn't need to, but he but usually he does. does. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why Goran Dragic will help a lot. I mean, I'm <laughs> I sure so. that he will help him to cool, cool off a bit. We sound like we're from Slovenia, guys, like we're rooting. For, for I'm, I'm not going against them. I'm not Last saying. Year, yeah. I, I, I mean, in 2017, <laughs> that was my first Eurobasket as a TV commentator. Lithuania lost in the eight finals. You wanted Slovenia to so win. What's what's left? The fairy tale following, story. Following the fairy tale story, Slovenia. Doncic was a teenager. Dragic was. At the moment, it seemed playing his last tournament for the team. And he ended yeah. the game through injury, playing through injury, Doncic right? Got, Doncic got hurt. Didn't uh, Doncic, the game. Star, yeah. Doncic didn't play in the second half, I believe. Yeah. He got hurt uh, of the third? three minutes uh, into the third quarter. Yeah, yeah. something like Ankle that. Ankle injury. Yeah, and, and Dragic just led the team. That tournament was... But, but Dragic didn't play for the last four minutes. Yes, exactly. Yep, and exactly. it was a close game. And he was He got cramps in his leg, yep. left for the bench, and then was like, okay. Prepolish, go do your job. And he's yeah. like, okay, let me let me go with my inner Luka Doncic or Dragic at that tournament and just. What a tournament Prepolish had! Amazing. After that tournament, he signed the Real Madrid, Madrid gave yeah. him the contract. Yeah, so it was it was nice to follow them in 2017. Now it's different because in 2017, I wasn't predicting any medal. I mean, uh, I knew how great Luka Doncic was and how great he's gonna be. Dragic is there. I'm still thinking they're playing Spain in the semis. Gazal, Ricky Rubio, mm. Spain's gonna win. Spain were the favorites for the champion, for the, for the championship, and all of a sudden Slovenia, bam, they have the gold medal. But right now they're going into this tournament, and people are expecting them to win the gold medal. Gold medal. Everybody has them number one in their power rankings. Mm -hmm. Everybody that I'm talking to in, Li in Lithuania, at least. And uh, but I don't think I don't think that they have and feel any pressure. I mean, they Luka were here in Lithuania. I mean, every night after every game, uh, every game he was just any enjoying hookah with his uh, teammates, some some beer and stuff. I mean, that's that's the there's so much joy around this team. And that's why I think that Goran Dragic also returned to this team because he was about to retire in that World Qualifiers game uh, that was played in Slovenia. And the plan was it, that, that he was about to retire in front of the home crowd. But he felt so much joy. He felt so good uh, right there. Of course, mm -hmm. people like Rasha Nesterovic, uh, who is the Secretary General of the Slovenian Federation, helped a lot. Some other people also convinced him uh, to come back. But I mean, the chemistry of, of this group is special and it's, it seems like they're not chasing medals, they're just enjoying the every game they have. And I mean... Oh, but Doncic just said himself, there's no 
I mean, the, there's only one place. Of course, of course, but they don't hear about any any pressure. So I yeah. really don't. I, I think that's the only team that you know is not going to be hit by pressure. The funny thing with around. Slovenia to me is that basketball in Slovenia is actually dead. There's no club basketball there. Uh, they don't have a club in, in in the Euroleague. They don't have a club in the Euro Cup, I believe. No, they have this uh, mix Chedevita. with Chedevita, oh, yeah. Yeah. Chedevita, right? Um, they don't really look great on youth level. Uh-huh. They just have a superstar player that grew up in Spain playing for Madrid. They have an American they picked up. They have a veteran that came back. <laughs> and good role players that fit. Mm. But the actual basketball system in Slovenia doesn't seem to be working that well. But the national team is the favorites. But they're producing good backward players, especially shooters, no? I was thinking like we should bring something well, from Slovenia to Well, imagine those shooters playing not with Luka Doncic. Are they any better than the shooters we have in, in the Lithuanian team? I don't know, man. <laughs> they're not that much. Prepolic, I mean, Chanchar, I mean, Blažić, they're good. I think they're good. So change them with Grigonis, Gadraitis, and Benjus. Or Brzdekis. Is no, there any difference? No, you compare Chanchar to Benjus or anybody. You know, he's he's a great player. But I mean, Come you on, can man. take I mean, out... he's a good player, but... It's no, not Chanchar like is great. He was about to get one million from Maccabi Tel Aviv this summer. I mean, he's good. A lot he's of really players get one million from Maccabi Tel Aviv. That's yeah, not he's a great stretch forward to EuroLeague basketball. You cannot compare him to Benjus. Oh no, I'm God. not saying no Benjus is better, but I'm just saying that like for like, you put these players and switch them and you would be talking that Lithuania is just... But you cannot expect a lot from the country, which has how many people? Less than 2 million, I think. I think they don't around, have I think two big investors, so they cannot uh, bring a good basketball club. But they expect a lot from Lithuania. I, because we have this tradition, I don't know. They, Maybe that's they also have the tradition. It's different. Lub- Olympia Ljubljana was once in the final four. But they don't, they don't have any money, really. We don't have money as well, but still. 10 million, 5 million. I'm just saying that how unpredictable things might happen. Mm. You can plan, you can put strategies on the table, but you never know where the next genius is going to come from. Of course. And it just happened to be a Slovenian guy who grew up in Madrid system and he just loves playing for the national team because you might not be so lucky. Your superstar player might not be interested in the national team at all. Couldn't be faced. We have examples from the past when players just don't want to play in their summers and that's it. So but yeah, actually, basically, if you took any superstar player, exceptional talent player like Yanis, I mean, maybe he was supposed to play for for Nigeria. Uh, the way he ended up playing basketball in Greece is also tremendous. Uh, tremendous. His story is is no. He, he came out. He came out of nowhere. Nikola Jokic. He just wanted to end up playing basketball. Yeah, but you just I mean, cannot compare Greece and their basketball with Slovenia. Oh, and you're talking about the I basketball mean, we, system, right? Yeah, the clubs and everything. Yeah. So these players come from somewhere, and obviously it helps when you choose a good American for yeah, your team, <laughs> which they do, Slovenians, I mean. Yeah, anyway, so we had this really extended conversation about yeah. our power rankings. What's left, Donatas? Predictions. Predicting our top four. I, so I got lost in those brackets, honestly. They are so confusing to me. I'm sorry. It took some time, <laughs> yeah, to check the rules. Oh. But I mean, it... it it, I think it changed the power rankings kind of dramatically because we have to leave one of the top four teams outside the top four unless somebody will fail in the group stage and it comes in their favor for the brackets for the playoffs. Yeah, right now we are just playing the challenge, bracket challenge. Bracket challenge. There, there's a term called bracketology, like a science for this whole thing where you're very good at 
putting teams into brackets. <laughs> anyway, um, do we start from um, number four? Four. Yeah, sure. Go do ahead. We all have Turkey. I have Turkey. Here? I have Turkey as well. I have to go with Turkey as well. Uh, Probably the way the system is set. Yeah, because I have them first in my group, which means that they're yeah, facing fourth team of B4, of B, which probably will be Germany, Bosnia, yep. Herzegovina, doesn't matter. I think that Turkey will advance and they might face Croatia or Italy. And I just think that yep. Turkey is a better team than both of these national teams. So I see them in the semifinals. Yeah, I see them as... And just four. because I see France and Greece clashing in quarterfinals, that's why one of these teams will be left out. That's a sad part, yeah. Unless somebody will start to fail. So? Greece, maybe. Bronze medal for you? Okay, bronze medal. Wait, wait, uh, just imagine if uh, Slovenia is second in the group uh, after France and we get uh, oh. Slovenia versus Greece in the And we can't rule this final. out, yeah. We cannot rule it. For some reason, we lock them as a first seed, but, you know, mm -hmm. France can that easily be, beat them in the group stage. That would be a crazy quarterfinal. Yeah. Oof. All these scenarios just make me think about it. Like Even I have more. <laughs> I, I have Greece in my power rankings higher than Serbia, but I I don't have Greece in my medals. Actually, probably then because that's how the, how it works. If they're because facing you have France, uh, I have France winning the gold. I have Slovenia winning silver because they're going to be in the same group. So if Slovenia finishes first or France finishes first, the other finishes second. They don't see each other until the final. Mm -hmm. So I have the final. France versus Slovenia and have France Same. winning it. I have Slovenia winning it. Yeah. And then the tricky part is predicting the bronze medal. Uh, Serbia. So yeah, I have to say Serbia, but I think to me, Greece is the better team. But since they're going to face like France or, or Slovenia in the quarterfinals, I have to eliminate them and blah, blah, blah. And this, this yeah. prediction thing just makes me angry. <laughs> I would That's why we did uh, the power, the power ranking. ranking. That part was m more fun, I, I must yeah. admit. <laughs> so we have almost the same four, right? Only that I have France winning. Yeah, okay. So what? Who you have winning that? Slovenia. I'm all for Slovenia. So Slovenia, I France, rode their Serbia, bandwagon. Slovenia, Turkey. France, Serbia, Turkey. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Mm. The same. That's it, right? It was, but yeah. it was easy. all of us must admit that any of the four, Greece, oh, Serbia, no. Slovenia, France, becoming champions wouldn't be no, a surprise. Not exactly. Not at all. You, could, you can We're see it happening. We're just playing media games, you know, trying to rank somebody, we are trying to find the best of yeah, already yeah, best. So it's maybe put some controversies. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But to make some fans angry. In general, I mean, we're, we're approaching a Eurobasket where we will have two fresh NBA MVPs, EuroLeagues MVP. A soon to be NBA MVP next in season. Maybe. Yes. That's Three very possible. NBA first team members. Uh, that's the first two time. Two NBA since defensive 2012. players of the year, like Giannis and, mm. and Gobert. And so many solid Euroleague and NBA players that I didn't even mention yet. So I don't know if we ever had that much quality in, in a Eurobasket. It could be our, you know, the, the recency bias. I mean, but, 20, uh, 2011 was, spe was, was special. Right, because it was uh, before the Olympics, Dirk Nowitzki came after winning the NBA. France had their full roster, Spain had their full roster. And, and you could still win the, you could still qualify to the Olympics through the, through the Eurobasket. How? Hmm. If you're the champions? 
How does that oh, work? Oh, I think. Uh, oh, you mean in 2011? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in 2011, 2011. that was the system. That's yeah. why everybody went to the exactly. 2011 yeah. and everybody skipped uh, 2009. Yeah. So now yeah. you, I think maybe. I think nobody. you don't qualify in you don't anywhere. Qualify. You just become yeah. no, no, European no. Yeah. champions. Exactly. But the thing is that now the Eurobasket is every four years, so you have very limited mm. opportunities to win this title. Mm. Uh, the pandemic just pushed everything one year. One year. Uh, uh, the Olympics now the Eurobasket. So the next one is in 2025. But the thing is that now it's more like in football, where you where where the players will have one mm. summer off where they don't yeah. have any duties for the national team because uh, you play the World Cup and the Eurobasket every two years. So that's great. I think that's great. I mean, the Olympics, it's a dream for many, but not too many qualify. So mm. you can focus on the Eurobasket and just becoming the U European champion. And just shows how the game, the NBA game evolved, you know, how it became international. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, three players in the Eurobasket are probably in the top five or top six of NBA players right now. Yeah, Giannis sure. is probably the best NBA player right now. In my opinion, if we're talking about the NBA rules yeah. and the way the game is set there, so the wow, the what an event! The last time what we had Eurobasket, I think sure. that Luca didn't even have the driver's license. It's crazy, it but he was probably driving. He just didn't have the license. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, we had such examples like Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, there were some. Oh, it, this tournament could be even better. We are missing some great players. For example, if Serbia only had. Uh, Teodosic, Bogdanovic, uh, um, even Marjanovic, for example. Just, just Guys, I was about to say, we were talking about uh, Serbia and you mentioned, so they are kind of missing, you know, uh, Bogdanovic is not there, you know. Bielis is questionable. Bielis is questionable. And, you were, and I was like, I didn't say it because you were giving your argument, but I was mm. like, so wait, guys, are you telling me right now that Teodosic would be nice for Serbia? As a backup, actually, he uh, would. Yeah, he would, see? yeah. I think there's at least one person in this world that disagrees with you and thinks that he's not needed at all anyway. And but I'm yeah, on, on, on that <laughs> list of players not, not participating, I have Ricky Rubio, I have Nikola Vucevic. He could make Montenegro a pretty exciting team yeah. as an underdog. Um, list of all these Saturansky, German players. All these German players. Wagner, Kleber, Hartenstein, yeah, Wonga, yeah. Schroeder had injury, even France, Nilekina, Decolo, Batum. Vambanyama, a uh, future star, more. Vambanyama, I don't think yeah, he's no. ready. For no, no, no. In, in the upcoming years, he, he will be. Basket. Yeah, Ricky Rubio, Spain. I mean, yep. it could be even more talent. And so the last mm, thing about Coach Pesic. So Radmanovic and Pesic. You're still stuck with Pesic. <laughs> a screamer who make who makes Bob Knight seem hushed, have clashed repeatedly over playing time largely because Radmanovic doesn't get much. Peja Drobniak, the ever supersonic on the team, doesn't get much more time, with Pesic apparently determined to prove that Yugoslavia's non-NBA players are as good as the NBAers. Yeah. Well, I think there was at least one non-NBA player who was just as good as definitely Dejan Bodroga. Sham, Mr. Shamdog, the real Shamdog. Shamgod. Shamgod. Yeah. Yeah. But that 2002 roster was pretty special. Even with all these conflicts, <laughs> they still managed to win a trophy. Anyway, okay, guys. I think it was a pretty, pretty long podcast this time because we tried we tried yeah. to cover so much. It was okay, one and a half, I think. But yeah, we have only two podcasts remaining, remaining, including this one before the Eurobasket. The next week, we will probably have Eurobasket draft. 
Uh, we'll, we'll try to look at the Eurobasket in some playful game and to present, introduce this kind of game to European audience because it's kind of popular in Lithuania. Yeah. Drafting players uh, from previous historical competitions or for the upcoming competitions. So it's going to be interesting. We should be free or maybe yeah. we'll have a guest as well. We'll see. So thanks a lot for joining in. And and give, us your, time. give us your predictions in the comments. Yep. See you next week.